Welcome to Calvary Chapel in the city. I just have a couple of announcements. Um, one, this Saturday evening, there will be a potluck dinner at my house at 6 o'clock. And if you're interested in serving in some capacity at the church or you're just interested in sort of hanging out with the, the brothers and sisters, uh, you're invited. That is at 6 p.m. Uh, child care is uh, provided. However, it is preferable uh, if you have um, get your own uh, child care. Uh, in addition to that, a week from tonight, we will be having a communion service, always a very uh, powerful time. Uh, next Sunday, we will be back inside uh, the Longwood Hall. We switch uh, from time to time. The church, uh, the uh, hotel bumps us. Uh, and um, I th- and uh, sign up for the Calvary Chapel uh, Women's Retreat. Uh, is um, that's going to be November 10th through 12th. If you uh, are here tonight and you're interested in the women's retreat, it's always a very powerful time for the women. Uh, please speak with actually Glenda tonight if, if uh, you're interested in that. And as well, on November 18th, that is a Saturday, uh, we have a talent show. And this will be our fifth or sixth time uh, we are having a talent show. And they're always a lot of fun. They're basically uh, any talent that you feel like the Lord has given you that you can sort of offer up to the Lord, whether it's singing or uh, backflipping or uh, juggling, whatever. I mean, if you think it's from God, we want to see it, okay? And, uh, uh, you know, James read from a joke book once. Uh, a Christian joke book. So, uh, but anyway, uh, anything really. There's people have read poetry. Uh, my daughter Adelaide made a, a a pot one time, a clay pot up here, and uh, a lot of music though, because we are have just a lot of extremely talented people around here. But uh, don't be intimidated. Uh, I even did one the last time. Uh, I I was in a, a skit with uh, with uh, with Scott, and so. Um, uh, if you're interested in the talent show, uh, I tell you what, why don't you speak with James back there? Because uh, uh, we don't have a sign-up sheet. Uh, I don't think we have a sign-up sheet here tonight. But uh, just be praying about that because that is something that's important in the life of the body. Oh, there's one. There is a talent, sheet, uh, a, a talent show sign-up over there. And uh, so just write your name down and what you think uh, you're going to be doing. Okay. We are in... 2 Samuel chapter 12, 2 Samuel chapter 12, if you have a, uh, a cell phone on or a pager, pagers are outdated now, I don't know if anyone uses a pager anymore, but if you have one, if you're outdated, turn off your pager, because um, we don't want to, the reason we say that, by the way, is we don't want anything interrupting the, the teaching of God's word, and um, if you need a Bible, by the way, uh, you can uh, raise your hand, anyone need a Bible? Raise your hand if you do. Okay, before we begin, let's pray. Father, I just uh, uh, thank you, Lord, for your word. And Lord, how, how we need it, how we need your word, how we need uh, the Holy Spirit. We pray that you would fill us with the Holy Spirit, that your word would, Lord God, just transform our hearts and minds and souls, Lord. And uh, how much there is to learn, Lord, from the life of David, and uh, not only from God, when he hit the mountaintops, but when he hit the very, very low valleys, Lord, that's what we're in one of those valleys tonight, Lord. And 
Uh, your word says that it's there for our reproof and our correction and, uh, and to warn us lest we should take the same path. I just pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, uh, that you would uh, bless us this evening through your word and that we would be a blessing to you. Amen. Okay, verse 1 of 2 Samuel chapter 12. Keep in mind that David, we'll do a little review after we read here, but David had taken the wife of another man. It was not only one, uh, another man, it was one of his mighty men, one of his warriors who was out faithfully fighting for him in battle. He got her pregnant. When he couldn't, when his schemes to sort of cover um, it up didn't work out, he had him killed. The husband killed. And, uh, and that's where we pick up uh, in, in, in chapter 12, which is actually about nine months after the end of verse uh, 27 of, uh, of chapter 11. So it says, Then the Lord uh, sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had uh, bought and nourished, and it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom, and it was like a daughter to him. And a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. So David's anger was greatly aroused against the man. And he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall surely die, and he shall restore full fold for the lamb, because he did this thing and because he had no pity. Then Nathan said to David, You are the man. Thus says the Lord of Israel, I anointed you king over Israel, and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the uh, house of Israel and Judah. And if that had uh, been too little, I also would have given you much more. Why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord. Behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house, and I will take your wives before uh, your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of the, uh, this son. For you did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the son. So David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord also has put away your sin. You shall not die, however, because by this deed you have given great occasion to the enemies of the Lord to blaspheme. The child also who is born to you shall surely die. 
then Nathan departed to his house. And so uh, David and Bathsheba. David, one of, you know, one of the most sort of mighty men of God we know in the Bible and we've gotten to know and love. Uh, just such an example of faith, such an example of humility, uh, such an example of someone um, who is willing to himself to have mercy and to always stay in the battle. Uh, and and um, But here you have him after he reaches the pinnacle of power. Uh, he, he takes a, a big time fall in chapter 11. Uh, first, we talked about how he got, uh, how the sin got in. Uh, one, uh, David stayed home from battle. Uh, we be, we learn at the beginning of chapter 11. Uh, it was the time where uh, kings, it says, went out to war. At that time, uh, the enemies would just uh, come in uh, throughout the year and sort of overtake your borders. And each spring, they went out to chase them out. He was supposed to be out there with them. Instead, he was taking naps. Uh, in the king's palace. And, and, and so when he was taking one of those naps one afternoon, and he got up and he saw uh, Bathsheba bathing, and uh, his uh, look uh, turned into a gaze, uh, chapter 11 says. And his gaze turned into a desire. And, um, and uh, with uh, the desire, he, he, he tried to, what he did, his... Um, he tried to start fulfilling that desire, but before the desire was fulfilled, God sent warning signs to him. Uh, someone told him, David, uh, this uh, woman that you, are, uh, that you um, are gazing at, or this woman you're inquiring about, uh, is, it's, it's Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam. Eliam was the... Uh, son of Ahithophel, David's uh, number one advisor. Warning number one. Warning number two, David. She is the wife of Uriah the Hittite. In other words, she's married. Stay away. This was a warning sign to him. Uh, warning number three. Uh, she's the wife of not no ordinary guy. It's Uriah the Hittite, one of the men who had been so faithful to David. But he blew right through the warning signs and uh, that's how he got into, into, the, uh, into the sin. And then once he got into the sin, we talked last week of ju- about the, the, the downward spiral and the complete, absolute mess that he got himself into. I mean, this is one of the things about sin. I mean, when we go against the Lord, when we do something that the Lord is clearly against his will and we try to cover it up, we, I mean, it, 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 it's like trying to cover up uh, you know, the wind or grab the wind. It, it's just in, in, impossible. And, and he got into this incredible quagmire. You know, first he tries to get Uriah uh, drunk and it doesn't work. And, and, um, uh, and, and uh, then he, he brings him home from battle and to go and sleep with his wife. That doesn't work. And, and finally, this guy, our hero David, uh, what am I going to do with this uh, th- this guy, uh, he, uh, you know, he's actually, he's found out that Bathsheba is pregnant, and, and he says, well, I just, uh, I, I can't seem to get him to cooperate with covering this up, I just got to kill him, and he kills him, and then, uh, and just the complexity, he, he, he winds up uh, marrying her, and uh, bringing her into the palace, and uh, we read the mo- a, a most foreboding verse at the end of verse 27 of chapter 11, but the thing that David had done displeased the Lord. And it was interesting. 
uh, the beginning of that verse says that David had, had sent and brought her to his house and she became his wife and bore him a son. And, and so the whole picture there, uh, the, and the picture that you really get, there's this nine-month period where things are going back to normal. And so oftentimes that is the case with, with sin. I have seen this in people's lives. Uh, sometimes years go by, and it really seems that the sin that they haven't dealt with, that it's, they're behind it. It's this thing in the past. And, and, and if you bring up the sin with them, they'll say, oh, don't look at my life since it's happened. It's my life. It's a new life. It's a good life. And, and, and things are carrying on, uh, uh, carrying on as normal. But if you do not do business with God, if you don't do business with God, you know, you have to, uh, this will, there's foreboding verse will be hanging over you. The thing that you have done is displeased the Lord and it, 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 it'll make its way out into your life. You know, uh, from time to time, uh, you know, we live in a society where, um, you know, people will live with years with, without really dealing with their sin. One of those things is in marriage. You know, people, the Bible's very clear about when Christians are, uh, are allowed to get a divorce. When Christians are allowed to get a divorce, and, you know, m- many times, uh, on a number of times, uh, people will come to me and um, they were, you know, they, they, they had been married, uh, but they, the marriage really was unbiblical, meaning they had gotten a, an unbiblical divorce while they were a Christian, then they joined to another. And years have gone by and things are going okay, but, but uh, they're starting to fall apart. And the first thing I said, have you, have you repented of getting married? Have you repented of getting married? And, and they're like, well... Well, you know, well, no, you know, I've never done that, you know. And and I said, well, you know, you didn't have a a reason to, a biblical reason to get married. Uh, Now, I know a whole bunch of years have gone by uh, and things are looking uh, sort of kind of good. But, you know, either they, you know, either they were, uh, you know, either for whatever reason, they went into their marriage and it was sort of, it was an ungodly union. And so, um, uh and that can be any number of, uh, of reasons. And, 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 you know, I'm not suggesting to them that they get divorced. Because once they're married, they have to honor that marriage. But the beginning of the solution to the, 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 the unraveling of their existing marriage is to repent of the getting married in the first place. And it's just amazing uh, when I've seen this. Uh, uh, of what God is, uh, is, does in, in, in a man and woman's life uh, with this thing that they just assumed that, well, they're married, so, you know, we can't repent of it anymore. Well, yes, you can. In your heart, you can go to the Lord and say, you know, Lord, we never should have done this, but now it's a reality, and Lord, please... Sort out this mess that we have, that we, we, or sort out the, uh, the unraveling that's beginning to happen in our life. And, and, and I'm not picking on marriage. There's many, many things. Uh, I, but the reason I bring that one up, because that one in particular, I see, I, I see people not dealing uh, with, uh, with something uh, that happened, you know, sometimes many years ago that really needs to be dealt with in order for the Lord to really just bring in healing. And so that's really what David does here. Um, he, he hasn't 
repented of getting married, uh, as crazy um, as uh, that seems. And so, but he thought his life was moving on. He thought that out on the outside, it really did uh, seem that things were okay. The palace had sort of gotten used to this thing, but on the inside, it had taken him out of fellowship with God. It had taken him out of fellowship with God. Turn to Psalm 32. Psalm 32, right in the middle of your Bible, is a description. David gives a description of this nine or ten month, could be more, time period uh, when he wasn't doing business with God. I mean, he'd sinned in a big time way, thought, well, you know, kings are allowed to do this stuff. Uh, Kings have kind of license in this area. Uh, And... But, and, and on the outside, you know, things may have been okay. He was carrying on as the king. But on the inside, verse 3 of Psalm, did I say 34 or 32? 32. Verse 3. When I kept silence, when I kept silent, my bones grew old. Now, I, I don't know if any of you have ever had that time in your life where you have just not been dealing with a, a sin, but let me tell you, this is a great description of what sin will be, what starts doing to your innards, uh, as they say in the South. Though my groaning, through my groaning, so it says, when, when I kept silent, my bones grew old, though my groaning, through my groaning all day long, for day and night your hand was heavy upon me, my vitality was turned into the drought of summer. And so uh, the Living Bible says, my dishonesty made me miserable, my strength evaporated. So on the inside, David was dying. Interesting thing about being a born-again Christian, because an unbeliever can do the exact same thing, and they won't start dying on the inside. They won't feel a heavy hand on them. God's faithful with his own children, though. He's faithful to put that heavy hand on us until we do that business and are restored into a relationship uh, with him. And so what happens? Well, God leaves David out in the desert to shrivel up and die. No! No, he does not do that. No, he comes after David, and that is what he always does. You might have thought that God would have said, look, I'm going to leave this guy in the muck and the mire. He asked for it. Uh, Now he's going to get it. And if there was ever a time it would have been just for that to happen, it would have been this one. I mean, all the things I've done for you, David, the kingdom up from obscurity, you were just a shepherd boy and I brought you to the king's table and then gave you the whole kingdom itself. And look at what I get. You use the position I gave you to steal another man's wife and then kill him and then cover it all up. Instead of coming clean, you insist on this, this, this messy thing where you're trying to cover up your, 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 your sin. Is, is this the response that I deserve, David? Now, God had every right to turn this guy into charcoal. I mean, big-time torch. Uh, but he had every right to do it, but he didn't. God loves David. God loves us. God loves you too much uh, to let sin have the final victory in your life. 
And so uh, uh, he does. He has to do something to snap him out of his 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 stupor. He's he's dying inside, but he's still in a stupor. He, he needs to be like. And so, uh, uh, who does he use to do that? The prophet Nathan. The prophet Nathan. So it says the Lord sent Nathan to David. That's an important verse. It was God's idea. It was God's idea to send. Nathan to David. It was God's confrontation, and uh, God will will use instruments uh, uh, to confront us um, of our sin. And and I, and uh, you know I want to go through what Nathan's actual confrontation is, but but it's just so important that you in your life you prioritize your life in such a way that that. That when there's sin in your life, it's going to be brought to your attention. And, and in no other area is this as important as, as, as you know, God, God's going to use, you need to position your life that there's people who know you who, who are going to be able to um, confront you if you get into sin. And, and, and so, you know, whatever you do, don't isolate yourself. Uh, don't, don't live on the fringes of a church. Uh, you know, if you're going to a very, very large church, don't just show up on Sunday and, and never get to know someone. Uh, don't isolate your, yourself. The most dangerous thing in the world is to do that. You need brothers and sisters in your life because there will be times that they will see things about you, sin, that you don't see. And, and, and so um, God will use people in your life. Sometimes... Uh, believe it or not, uh, God will use unbelievers in your life. I, I just heard uh, just heard a sermon, the, the story of Abraham. You know, he God called him out of uh, Ur of the Chaldeans, and he he went to the Palestine, and there was a famine there. And then he just assumed he was supposed to leave, and so he goes down to Egypt. God never told him to do that, but he did, and he went down to Egypt, and he blew it big time. He basically. Uh, gave his wife uh, to, to Pharaoh when Pharaoh asked him who uh, she was. She says, oh, she's my sister. Here, you can take her, you know, and uh, God protected her. But uh, uh, he, uh, he got her, her back after Pharaoh had some dreams, and basically what happens is Pharaoh just big time rebuked him. Why did you do this to me? You, you gave me your wife, and you've brought the, you know, the wrath of God on, on my household. He had been tormented with, with, with dreams. And, and so sometimes God will even bring an unbeliever in our lives. Uh, you know, this has happened um, uh, to me many times over the years. With, with, you know, I have a part-time job now, but uh, over the years working, uh, my bosses, unbelievers, they will bring things to my attention. I'm like, wow. This is humbling. This is humbling big time. Being confronted by an unbeliever must have been humble, humbling to be Abraham, uh, being confronted by an absolute pagan in, in, in Pharaoh. Well, sometimes the Lord does that in our lives. Um, he will use our devotion times. You know, we'll be going and reading our Bible, and, and all of a sudden, uh, the words pop out, Thou art the man, Steve. I mean, this is what happens. Thou art the man. I'm like, Ugh, 
you know, I'm writing my Bible study trying the beginning of the day, trying to enjoy the Lord, and he's like piercing me with a dagger, you know? And 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 that is what did I say? Position your life in such a way to make sure that the sin that may be in your life or that creeps in, because it will, will be uh, confronted. You gotta have a devotion time. You got to be in the Word. You got to be in the Word every day, and and, and so such a valuable time. Um, also, he'll use circumstances in our life, just crazy circumstances out in the street or the highways or the byways where he just hits us by, with a two by four because of of you know uh, of of a sin or something. And he'll also use pastors. Yeah, I don't know how many times uh, that someone has come up to me, you know, hey, Steve, so who told you about what's going on in my life, you know? How did you know when you were preaching today that these things are going on in my life? And it's like, I didn't know the Holy Spirit does, and uh, that's interesting that you just told me that. Tell me more, you know. Uh, but, uh, but uh, you know, this happens all the time, you know, uh, uh, where um, I've actually had, you know, People come up to me and said, you know, I know you were talking about me today. Well, actually, well, no, I wasn't. But uh, and, and, and there have been even times where, uh, where I've seen people get angry at their pastor uh, because they thought their pastor was basically airing their dirty laundry to, to the, the church. And so that's one of the reasons why it's, it's kind of a touchy thing sometimes, uh, me doing counseling, because then, you know, three months later, I'm bringing something up in a sermon, and, and people assume I'm talking about them. I'm not, you know, but uh, uh, any event, uh, you got to position yourself in such a way that sin will come to the, your attention, because let me tell you, sin will destroy you. Sin will completely destroy you if it runs its course. So God will use um, a Nathan in your life. Now keep in mind that the Lord will also use you as a Nathan. Uh, you, the Lord will use you. He'll use you to confront someone. Uh, he will supernaturally so, show you some kind of maybe some kind of sin in a brother or sister's life. And it's an incredibly fearsome thing to do. I mean, Pastor Robert was here a couple uh, weeks ago. Uh, I, I one time had to confront him about his marriage. Here are some very serious things with his marriage. And I'm convinced the church would not have survived if he didn't deal with them. And, you know, I'm, I'm having to confront my own pastor and and uh, and that was an incredibly hard thing uh, for me to do, and um, he didn't receive it, <laughs> and I didn't like the fact that he didn't receive it. I got really really angry in my immaturity. I got really really angry with him, and that was a really difficult season of our life. We're like best friends now, but but um, you know you got to go do it, and people sometimes won't receive it. But that, and they will get angry, but that is not a reason for you to ignore the problem, to ignore the problem. And so, um, Matthew 18, we had gone over. Uh, but the lessons that uh, uh, we learn from uh, Nathan um, are this, and we're going to see this, but one, Nathan did it in the right way, he had the right heart, he had the right relationship, and he had the right message. He did it in the right way. You have to go to people in love. You got to go to people with humility and love, and you got to go with fear and trembling. Not like, oh, I'm better than this person because I'm not in this sin they're in. Well, let me tell you, you do that, the Bible says, and you wind up going into the same sin. And, 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 and so you got to do it in the right way. You have to do it at the right heart. Before you go to someone, you should pray about it. 
you should pray about it. And if, you know, for in the order of days, not in the order of seconds, <laughs> yeah. Should I confront this guy? Yeah. You know, don't, you, know you, you need to take uh, some times, if not some days, and if not weeks, to really pray about it. And, and you know, have you prayed about it? Or, you know, I, I've met these people. They just think they have the spiritual gift of rebuking everybody. And, and you know, <laughs> no, I, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, I don't know that there is such a gift. Although, you know, I guess prophetic gifts uh, can operate in that way. But you also have to have the right relationship. Nathan had a relationship uh, with David. And, you know, sometimes, to be totally honest with you, there are some times where you may not have the relationship with someone where you have earned the right to speak into their life in certain, with certain sins and certain situations. I mean, obviously, there are certain things that, you know, it doesn't matter what your relationship is, if it's bad enough, uh, you know, uh, you, you go to them. Or, or better yet, though, if it, you may want to go to their pastor or something like that, if you really feel like you don't have the right to do that in their life. And, and finally, it's just the right message. You get to give the right message. So let's read about how Nathan does this. Again, he comes and he says to him, There were two men in one city, one rich and the other poor. The rich man had exceedingly many flocks and herds. Verse 3, But the poor man had nothing except one little ewe lamb, which he had uh, bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and with his children. It ate of his own food and drank from his own cup and lay in his bosom. And it was like a daughter to him. And, if a, and a traveler came to the rich man who refused to take from his own flock and from his own herd to prepare one for the wayfaring man who had come to him. But he took the poor man's lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. And, and, and so... Um, what he does is, it's so important to, to approach people in humility, but also with wisdom. And what's the wisdom here? He uses an example that's very near and dear to David's heart. David was a shepherd. David used to have lambs like that lamb that he would you know, hold in his arm or whatever. And he knew what the relationship could be between a man and a lamb, a, a, a little sheep. So he knew that... Um, he would be able to just to, to relate to this, and it's and and then you know David, uh, you know he hears about this horrible abuse of power, uh, and uh, and it winds up enraging him. Verse five it says, so David ang- David's anger was greatly aroused against the man, and he said to Nathan, as the Lord lives, the man who has done this shall shall uh, surely uh, shall surely die, and shall refor- restore full for. And interesting, in the Mosaic Law, the penalty for stealing was not death. It was not death. If you ripped off someone, you didn't get killed, but you had to pay fourfold. But here, David was like, no, I want you to kill him. He wanted him dead. Isn't it interesting that we think we should be excused for certain things that the other guy should basically get hammered for? You know, that's our evil hearts, and that's the way um, that we are. In verse 7, it says, uh, David, thou art the man, if you have the King James <laughs> Version. You are the man. So, do you think they have instant replay in heaven? Do you think they have instant replay in heaven? I mean, like in a sanctified way, like anything you want to see in heaven that, uh, that uh, 
you think would be really interesting that you didn't get to see on earth? Hey, I'd like to see an instant replay of it. Wouldn't you like to see an instant replay of David's face? Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it, 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 and I, I tell you, that would be, uh, that must have been uh, quite a scene. And uh, so he says, you are the man. And thus says the Lord God of Israel, oh boy, I tell you, when, so, when a prophet comes up to someone and says, thus says the God of Israel, you know, cover your eyes because something's coming. And it, it, it's coming, man. And David abused his power. And uh, just as Moses just uh, uh, had just really terrible consequences for what we had seen what like was a little sin, here David gets terrible consequences for really what was a big-time sin. Uh, it says, I anointed you king over Israel and I delivered you from the hand of Saul. I gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your keeping and gave you the house of the Israel and Judah. And if that had, had been too little, I also would have given you much more. I would have given you much more. Verse 9, why have you despised the commandment of the Lord to do uh, evil in this sight? You have killed Uriah the Hittite with a sword. You have taken his wife to be your wife and have killed him with the sword of the people of Ammon. Now therefore, the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and you have taken the wife of Uriah the Hittite to be your wife. Thus says the Lord, behold, I will raise adversity against you from your own house and I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. You did it secretly, but I will do this thing before all Israel, before the sun. And then verse 14, it says, uh, also, well, let me continue on. It says, uh, verse 13, so David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. So, notice here that David thought he was trying to get away with something. He got away with nothing. Hebrews 4.13 makes it very clear. There is no creature hidden from God's sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. This may be a humbling thing to you, but your heart and your mind, every single careless thought, wide open to the eyes of the Lord. He knows exactly every single thing about your life. And so he comes uh, to uh, uh, the, the Lord through Nathan comes to David Uh, with this. And even before David's confession, uh, he knows it all. Before you confess something to the Lord, he knows about it. Uh, And God knew what it was going to do to David's family. He knew that uh, what uh, David had done in secret was because of the sin, the natural consequences of the sin, sin, it would wind up happening to David. uh, You know, it would be revealed sort of in the light into all the world. And God hates sin because he, not only because he's holy, but also because he hates what it will do to to us. And, And God knew that this sin would do all these things to David. And, and, um, and, and, and that's why he hated it so much. He hated seeing uh, David in that, um, in that lifestyle. So, uh, uh, and then it's interesting here. They says, if there were desires, verse 8, if, there were, if you had any desires in your life that were unfulfilled, I would have granted all of them to you. And so what he's saying is, listen, sin is such a cheap substitute. It's such a cheap substitute. 
and, and, and a distorted shadow of what God wants to bring in. And, and uh, we, you know, we don't think God can satisfy. That's the reason we w- run off and we try to get that cheap substitute. We don't think that God can satisfy. But if only we'd give Him a chance. If only we would give Him uh, the chance. And, 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 and so um, God, the Bible says, is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Uh, we need to bring our needs and desires to Him. You know, our timing isn't always what He wants. But, man, when we run off and try to get a cheap substitute, just what it will do to our lives, and God said, look, if you had wanted more, you should have come to me and asked for it. I would have given it to you. And so, um, you know, this list of things uh, that are going to happen to David in the coming weeks, we're going to read about each one of them coming to fruition. It says, I will behold, I will raise up adversity against you from your own house. His son Absalom would uh, actually basically start a civil war against David. And, um, you know, the sword will never depart from your house, verse 10. His, one of his sons was going to kill another one of his sons. And then he talks about, uh, it says, uh, it says uh, in verse 11, it says, I will take your wives before your eyes and give them to your neighbor, and he shall lie with your wives in the sight of this son. What you did in secret, I will do this thing before Israel. And that refers to when Absalom uh, his son came in and basically uh, went into David's concubines, his harem, if you will, and which was just really a, a, just the worst disgrace that could possibly happen uh, to a king. And so we'll be reading about um, all these things. Now, was it fun uh, for Nathan to do this? Did he have a good time doing this? No, no, he didn't. And, and by the way, we need to really guard our heart that, that we're not taking sort of secret pleasure in confronting people and pointing out their weaknesses. We need to do it with fear and trembling. Uh, no, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't uh, uh, fun for him to do it. However, was it effective? Yes, it was. It's amazing when you do something... Uh, with humility so many times. I mean, I tell you, one of the things I hate more than anything else in the world is confronting people. I lose so much sleep, you know, over confronting people. Uh, You know, since we began this church, we've had to confront a bunch of people, but before that, uh, you know, being an elder and and an assistant pastor, and, and, but also just as a brother, I, I, I tell you, I have lost entire nights of sleep. And to me, the most encouraging thing in the world is when you see someone receive it with humility. I mean, it's like the biggest, most awesome rush. It's like, Lord, you are so good, you know. And, and, and because you're expecting the worst, and, and what you get is the best. Well, you know, what Nathan got was the best. Why? Because he did it with humility. He had the right message. He had the right relationship. And verse 13 says, David said to Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. 
Notice how he doesn't say, I have sinned against Bathsheba. Notice how he says he, doesn't, he didn't sin against Uriah the Hittite. Obviously, at a certain level, he did. But let me tell you, a lot of times people will sort of weasel out of their way with real repentance with God by trying to sort of mend fences with, with individuals. Man, you don't got to, you, your, your first thing is, it, it, you know, don't take this the wrong way, but forget about the individuals. You need to go to God and allow him to start doing big time business in your heart. And, you know, it's, it's after that has happened that you will have the right kind of heart to go to those other people and, and, and do business with them which, as well, which is very much um, a part of, of what repentance is. But at the end of the day, uh, it's uh, Psalm 51, uh, which is the other psalm, which is basically a record of David's repentance here, says the same thing it says, against you and you only I have sinned. So there's that, that sense that he's going to the Lord. Did, was it fun for Nathan to do? No. Was it effective? Uh, yes, it is. What is the goal of confrontation? It's this, that we'll see sin for what it really is, for how ugly it really is. The goal of confrontation is for us to see our sin the way that the Lord sees our sin. Real interesting verse in 1 John 1.19. Some people call it the Christian bar of soap. I hope it's okay to call a Bible verse that. But uh, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. You talk about a bar of soap. Uh, that's a bar of soap that goes right down into your soul because it's just so refreshing, you know, just that constant repentance and confessing um, <clears throat> uh, to the Lord. But that word confess... Uh, in 1 John 1, uh, 19, is uh, the word homo loheo, homo loheo, which uh, means, it means say the same as. It's sort of like, it, 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 it's homo loheo, say the same as, and the idea is agreeing. And so what does that mean? When you confess, you're agreeing with God what your sin is really is. You're, you're agreeing with him. You're, you're not trying to minimize it. Uh, I have been in many confrontations that, you know, I lost a lot of sleep giving them. Uh, I lost a lot of sleep leaving, leading up to the confrontation and uh, wound up being a horrible experience, not an exhilarating one. Why? Because, the, because either the person just denied it or they'll just try to minimize it. This is usually what um, um, I say. I shouldn't say usually. Most of the time uh, I have uh, brought a sin to someone, it's been a wonderful experience. I, I say that to encourage you. But there have been a good many times where um, it's not received. And number one thing when it's not received, it's minimized. It's minimized. Confession, ho- confession homo leheo. I, I thought this was an awesome point uh, uh, about that word in 1 John 1.19. The word confess in the New Testament, Greek word, agreeing with. You're agreeing. You're agreeing about just what your sin is, how ugly it is, how bad it was, how wicked your heart was when, when you did it. You don't try to minimize it. Uh, and so uh, uh, there's that, that confession. And, and there are... Um, Many people who are happy to confess something that they've done wrong sometimes, but, you know, they're really not, they don't want to put it out of their life because really they don't agree with God about, about really the damage it will do in their life. And so, uh, verse 
So David says to Nathan in verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, the Lord has put away your sin. You shall not die. He deserved death, the Mosaic law. says murder deserves death. And uh, God says, it says he, he put away, um, he put away his sin. You know, only God, only God does this. You'll not find this forgiveness anywhere else, anyone or anything. Only God does this. Bible says he remembers it no more, your sin, uh, once it's been forgiven. Psalm 103, verse 12, as far as east is from west, he's, he's removed your sin from you. And uh, uh, he, he buries them uh, in uh, the deepest sea, and he remembers uh, them uh, no more. How happy is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. What a load uh, this uh, must have lifted uh, off. David, all that time, been nine or ten months, just trying to think of a way to just deal with this. And, and just think, even after uh, Bathsheba c- came into the house uh, uh, with the baby, just basically he was on a path where the rest of his life he's having to live a lie and a cover-up. And, oh, man, that is, I don't know if you've ever been in, in, in that type of thing that, uh, you, you know, with a sin, but it's just so exhausting just having to constantly, you know, make sure that the lie is perpetrated, you know, on, on everyone around you. And so uh, let's continue. It says, verse 15, Then Nathan departed to his house, and the Lord struck the child that Uriah's wife bore to David, and it became ill. That David therefore pleaded with God for the child. And, the da- and David fasted and went in and lay all night on the ground. So the elders of the house arose and went to him to raise him up from the ground, but he would not, nor did he eat food with them. Then on the seventh day it came to pass when the, uh, that, that the child died, and the servants of the Lord were afraid to tell him that the child was dead, for they said, Indeed, while the child was alive, we spoke to him, and he would not heed our voice. How can we tell him that the child is dead? He may do some harm. He may commit suicide or whatever. Verse 19. When David saw that his servants were whispering, David perceived that the child was dead. Therefore, David said to his servant, Is the child dead? And they said, He is dead. So David arose from the ground, washed and anointed himself, and he changed his clothes, and he went into the house of the Lord and worshipped. Here's a man who knows God. Here's a man, a man who knows God. There is such a tendency when we are living out the consequences for our sin to just assume we're under a curse. But that's not the case. You know, the Bible says God chastens those who he loves. He gives consequences to those he loves. And, and when we get body slammed by the Lord, and if, if we're his children, that'll happen to us. The, the thing to do is what David did here, go right back and you worship the Lord. That's what God wants. That was the whole purpose of the chastening. So he goes in, and right after he finds out his child dies, he went into the house of the Lord and worshiped. Then he went to his own house, and when he requested, they set food before him, and he ate. So just as we were talking about this morning, you know, yeah, the cross, there's a time to mourn at the foot of the cross. But what did Jesus say to Mary Magdalene right after he had resurrected? Rejoice. And then she worshiped. God wants us to leave our mourning and he wants us to rejoice, and he wants us to worship. That's what he wants for us. 
Verse 21, Then a servant said to him, What is this that you have done? You fasted and wept for the child while he was alive, but when the child died, you arose and ate food. And he said, While the child was alive, I fasted and wept. For I said, Who can tell whether the Lord will be gracious to me, that the Lord may live? That, by the way, that's, that's another wonderful, wonderful message there, an indication of how well David knew the Lord because the Bible says that God does not treat us as our sins deserve and and there's we should never be sort of resigned to some particular thing in our life that's that's going wrong oh God this is God's judgment Uh, you know there's we can always go before the Lord and fast and pray who can tell whether he may have mercy we don't deserve to have mercy but he's a merciful God Uh, there was another time where David used this exact same verse where uh, that God was gracious to him. Well, um, we'll be getting to that. Verse 25, it says, But now he is dead. Why should I fast? Can I bring him back again? I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. So babies, we believe, I believe, are going to heaven. Um, so before, if, if a child reaches the age, um, doesn't, hasn't reached the age of accountability, um, I do believe... Um, Child, children and young babies go to heaven. This is one of the verses uh, that uh, supports that. I shall go to him, but he shall not return to me. There's also in 1 Corinthians the notion of a, the, the, the baby or the child of a Christian also being covered by the Lord prior to their accountability. Uh, but anyway, it, um, it would have been real nice after David said, I've sinned against the Lord, to just skip right down to verse 24 and not have this thing happen between 15 and 25. But there will be consequences for our sin. God sometimes will mitigate. He'll, he'll, he'll make the consequences less. But, you know, which he did here, by the way, because David wasn't stoned, but he, he did... He was, he's going to receive some big-time consequences, the sword not passing from his house, his, the baby dying, his wives given to others, the enemy, enemies of God, uh, verse 14, uh, will blaspheme Israel at David's expense. And, you know, you do hear the question from time to time, why doesn't God just take away all the consequences? One is holiness. I, I can't completely answer that question of of why in one time he takes away, other times he lessens, other times seems to have the full brunt. But but one is his holiness. God is holy. Uh, Another reason is um, because he he uses the consequences for our correction and our instruction and our refining to humble us in his presence, to remove the pride and arrogance that got us into the sin in the first place. Sometimes we need the consequences to take away that pride and arrogance. Sometimes that's the only thing that's going to refine us. So Nathan doesn't really do anything to soften the blow. He doesn't sit there and go, you know, poor boy. He just departs, lets the Lord do business with him. We don't want to get in the way of the Lord. You know, sometimes when we have to confront people, that we shouldn't feel like we have to soften the blow. You know, we, we, sometimes we just get to get up and leave and let the Lord start doing his business with people, and that's what Nathan does here. 
I do so much appreciate, though, David receiving, uh, um, receiving the correction. Verse 13, I have sinned against the Lord. Uh, we will get to many places in 1 Kings and 2 Kings where kings were confronted and they just killed the prophets or arrested them or threw them to the bottom of a well or whatever. And, and uh, you know, sometimes that does happen. And so David uh, receives the correction. And my advice to you, by the way, if you are confronted, sometimes you may get confronted and it's just wrong. The person's wrong. They're off the mark. But a lot of times you will get corrected and you won't be able to see it right off. My strong, strong advice when you are corrected is don't react to it. No matter how, you know, no matter how it's given to you, you know, sometimes I've been corrected before by people who were like the least diplomatic imaginable. I mean, they just basically, you know, I have something to tell you, you know. Well, thanks, brother. You know, where was the love in that? But uh, uh, anyway, but uh, they were right. And so the best thing, sometimes, particularly if a confrontation is given without love, we just we react to it in, in the wrong way. Best thing to do is just bite your tongue and just don't react. And then go to the Lord. Lord, is he right? In spite of the, or she right? In spite of the fact that she didn't give it with any, any amount of love. That, that's my strong advice uh, to you. And then my other advice to you is when you give correction and it's received with anger, it's not received well, don't do the same thing that they're doing to you. Don't flesh out. And, and this is something I have done many times, many, many times. Uh, you know, I confront someone. I just expect them to say, oh, you're right, you're right. Well, you know something? If, if I have humility in my heart, I've I got to be willing for them to come back and go, you're wrong, Steve, <laughs> whatever. Uh, you know, because I'm supposed to be washing their feet. I'm a servant. I'm supposed to be serving them. And that's what you're doing when you're confronting. You're, it's not like you're doing them a favor. Uh, it, 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 you're, doing, you're doing God's work. You're not, you're not like, oh, I've got to do this guy a favor. No, you're, you're serving the Lord. And, 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 and so if they don't receive it, well, you know, just take it in humility and, and pray for them. Ask God uh, to do that work in their life. Uh, I love, in a big, big way, the end of this chapter the end of this chapter, it says, uh, verse 24, Then David comforted Bathsheba, his wife, and he went into her and lay uh, with her. So she bore a son, and he called his name Solomon. Now the Lord loved him and sent word by the hand of Nathan the prophet. So he called his name Jedidiah, which means beloved of the Lord, because of the Lord. Now Joab fought against Rabbah, of the people of Ammon and took the royal city and Joab sent messengers to David and said, I have fought against Rabbah and I have taken the city's water supply. Now therefore gather and rest, gather the rest of the people together and encamp against the city and take it lest I take the city and it be called after my name. So David gathered all the people together and went to Rabbah, fought against it and took it. Then he took the king's crown from his head. Its weight was a talent of gold with precious stones and it was set on David's head. Also, he brought out the spoil of the city in great abundance. And he brought out, of the, uh, out the people who were in it and put them to work with saws and iron picks and iron axes and made them cross over to the brickwork. So, so he did to all the cities of the people of Ammon. Then David and all the people 
returned to Jerusalem. So why do I think this is a, a, a wonderful end to this chapter? Well, this, again, just shows the mercy of the Lord. Uh, one thing, he takes this marriage which started, uh, it, it, its foundation was corrupted. And again, that's how some marriages start, for one reason or another. The foundation was just corrupted. But David, because David basically repented of the whole thing, he actually uh, gives them a child. And the, chi- and the child, it's not, it's like, well, you know, this is a bad marriage. I don't want to recognize anything from this, you know. Uh, uh, this kid's going to have to be raised like an orphan. No, the kid was Solomon and Jedediah, the beloved of God. The beloved of the Lord. I mean, that is an incredible statement to me about the grace of God. You know, I, I, I pray on a regular basis, God, teach me to live grace, teach me to give grace, teach me to teach grace. What a statement about God's grace. He takes this marriage and which, start, which just had just was rotten to the core. It's, that's the foundation of this marriage. But he purifies it. He cleanses it. And he, he winds up giving him a child and calling the child beloved of the Lord. And, and this very child was in the line of the Messiah, Jesus. Bathsheba is in the line of the Messiah. That's amazing. That's the grace of God. And... What is the goal of restoration? Why does God restore us when we fall into sin? The goal is we left the battle. That's why we got into the sin. The goal is for us to get right back in the battle. And that's what we see here in David. David goes right out into battle, and there's this victory over, over the Ammonites. The very people, by the way, he had used to kill Uriah. Again, showing the grace of God. There's this great victory over the Ammonites. And so God's, you know, when you're in sin, God wants to restore you. And the purpose of restoring you is not so you'll just sort of like hang out and be in the penalty box for the rest of your life. It's to get right back in the, in the battle and that's what exactly is what happens here. You know, you, you can, part of, part of when you read this, particularly verses 26 through 31, it's like, what's this doing in this chapter? Well, it was, uh, it, it's, it's, of course, the chapter breaks were uh, made up much later, but I actually really liked the, the way they, they chose this chapter break because that's what God, that's part of God's plan of restoration. So just an awesome picture. Um, of God's mercy. Let's close in prayer. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this wonderful picture of your grace, this wonderful picture of your mercy. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, that you would help every person in this room get into that position uh, in their lives where when sin comes in, it will be exposed, Lord God. I just pray for anyone here who is just isolated from the body of Christ. They would get out of isolation and into fellowship. I pray for anyone here who does not have a consistent, regular time 
in your word, Lord. I pray that you'd give them the grace to get to that place, Lord, where they can go into your word and have their sin exposed. And your word says repentance brings times of refreshing, Lord, and I just pray that you do that with them. I also pray, Lord, that just through the circumstances of life, through coming to church and just listening to sermons, listening to me or or women's group on uh, on, on Wednesday night or men's group or whenever, Lord, I just pray, God, that you'd give them the grace to go to these places uh, and, uh, and, and just hear, hear that word from you where you ex- want to expose one thing or another, God, in their life. And Father, but most of all, I just pray, Lord, uh, that for the people in here, anyone, Lord, that is being restored, uh, that you would bring them right back in, into... Uh, into the battle, Lord. I pray that you would do that with them. Give them the grace. Give them that godly courage, Lord, to go back uh, in the Bible, Lord, just uh, into the battle, Lord. And, and, and God, just such a temptation for us just to, just to wallow in our mourning. I just pray that, Lord, we'd leave the mourning and we'd rejoice and we'd worship. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, well, if you would like to come back in 10 or 15 minutes to pray with us, please do. Uh, Tonight, we are going to pray for the uh, Jews for Jesus ministry, who we support, and uh, who I believe we're going to be, the the director, Garrett Smith, I believe he's going to be coming soon to be with us again, and so you can pray for that as well. Pray for him and uh, the ministry there. They reach out to Jews in Boston. We support them, and... uh, then any other prayer that you may uh, uh, need or have, please uh, present them. We just split up into uh, little groups here. But if you can't stay with us, uh, God bless you. Go home and get your beauty sleep. You're dismissed.